Greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. My name is Charlie Gross. I am the Associate Executive Presbyter for the Presbytery of Donegal. I'm hosting this podcast series titled Missional Church Conversations, Making It Real. The basis of this conversation will be a series of interviews with a wide variety of leaders in the field of the missional church. These leaders will come in the form of professors, pastors, elders, deacons, sisters and brothers in Christ who are experimenting with new ways of being the church in the world today. My hope is that these conversations will inspire you, challenge you, inform you, change you, and push you into the world with boldness and confidence to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. I do have to mention that I'm indebted to freeconferencecall.com for this incredible service and the recording feature. It's outstanding. Today's guest is the Reverend Dr. Bruce Epperly. Bruce is the Director of Continuing Education and Professor of Practical Theology at Lancaster Theological Seminary. Bruce earned a BA from San Jose State University, an MA from Claremont Graduate University, and a PhD from Claremont Graduate University. He is also co-pastor with his wife, the Reverend Dr. Catherine Gould Epperly, of the Disciples United Community Church in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. He is a prolific writer and a practitioner in the missional church arena. Bruce, thank you so much for your passion for serving Jesus Christ and for your time on the phone today. Well, Charlie, it's good to talk with you today because this is a theme that's very important to me, the missional church, the emerging church, how how we can be church in a postmodern era. So I'm delighted that you have uh, asked me to share a few words with you today. Hmm. Thank you so much. Now, my hope for our brief time together today on the phone is that you can help us start to understand the concept of the missional church and expand our thinking on this topic and help us make it come alive, make it, make it real. So, so my, my, my first question regarding this is in, comes in two parts. And the first part is how do you define the missional church? And then the second part is what makes this different from a previous understanding or practice of the church? So how do you define it, and what makes it different, or is it different, than our former understanding or practice of the church? Those are good ch- questions, Charlie, and uh, it will be interesting to go back 2,000 years in order to figure out where we are in the 21st century. Uh, I have a great deal of affection for the book of Acts of the Apostles. Uh, the Acts of the Apostles is a book that uh, is very similar to our time. Uh, the church was marginalized, a minority, had very little power, uh, wasn't quite sure about its boundaries, and in some ways was making it up as it goes along. Uh, but the church was also, even though it was one of many spiritual possibilities in its time, the emerging Christian church of the first century, was a place where people caught the spirit. It was a place where people experienced uh, Pentecost, where they were led to go beyond their comfort zones, where they were led to move from a very small sect in Jerusalem to go out into all the world. And, of course, if you remember from Acts the Apostles, the word unhindered occurs two or three times in there. The gospel was unhindered. What's to hinder 
you for baptizing me, as the Ethiopian says to Philip. Hmm. Where the gospel was free and lively, was nevertheless being developed as people went along, was one of many options. And where people were being embraced into the church, not without challenge, because the controversies are listed in, in Acts of the Apostles, but not without challenge, they decided to keep expanding the mission. First, the following of the Spirit, the coming of the Holy Spirit, and in experiential terms in Jerusalem, and then discovering that people like Cornelius were experiencing the Holy Spirit, and discovering that God's realm, God's kingdom, God's presence, individual, involved the whole earth and not just a handful of people. So Acts the Apostles, in a way, charts our mission. Mm. Um, Mm-hmm. I think we as Christians sometimes bemoan where we are in life and think that we've lost power, that we've lost influence, that we've been pushed to the sidelines. And while that can be good news, bad news sometimes to be at the periphery, being mm-hmm. at the periphery can also be good news because it's the frontier. So mm-hmm. I would say for me the missional aspect of Christianity is that sense of expanding the boundaries, welcoming new people, opening to where the Spirit leads us, being open to the gifts of the Spirit in all, all their forms, and going out into the world. Let your light shine, as Matthew's Gospel says. Let your light shine, both for you and for the world. Hmm. Hmm. Well, that's, 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 that's a great way to, um, to help us look at it, um, you know, to turn, to turn the, um, the woe-is-me syndrome into a... Uh, into an opportunity and a, uh, and, a, and a time to uh, expand the kingdom, to welcome people, light, let your light shine, and, uh, and go boldly. Uh, yeah, yeah I think so, so Charlie. And, uh, of course, those of us who are in denominational Christianity or work with seminaries, as I do, know the, know the whole, know the glasses half-filled syndrome. <laughs> But we also need to remember that within the limitations of life, there are great opportunities. And we need to remember that Jesus' parables of the kingdom involved mustard seeds growing into great things. Uh, We don't have to be victorious in terms of the world in order to make, make a great impact on the world. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, maybe maybe our calling isn't to wield power. Maybe our calling isn't to, in quotes, seek a Christian America. Maybe our calling is to be a faithful remnant that doesn't live by the us versus that them terms, but embraces the spiritual orphans and seekers that are all around us mm-hmm. and says, come on in. Christianity mm-hmm. isn't what you thought it was. <laughs> okay. Hey, that... Uh- that that kind of leads into a, a question about um, helping pastors. How do you, as a pastor, and even as a writer, work to create an outward-looking missional church? You know, what do you do or say or preach or, um, you know? Well, that that's a good question, and ironically, I think moving outward starts, or at least is interdependent with moving inward. I think one of the things that, that caused some, some pain and still is causing pain and maybe some impotence in, 
in mainstream and moderate Christianity was that people were asked to do a lot of things without the spiritual foundations. Uh, thank goodness for the, the growing interest in the practices movement or spiritual disciplines movement. You'll see it in, of course, Dorothy Bass and Diana Butler Bass and Craig Dykstra, my own work and others, where these spiritual practices from hospitality to justice to fasting to prayer to meditation are really holistic. They, you, you go inward so you can go outward and you go outward with the sense that You've got the energy. So I tell pastors, first work on your inner life. Mm-hmm. First, first get rooted in God. First uh, feel a dynamic sense of God's presence or a personal relationship with Jesus in such a way that you're sustained because any mission is going to cost you something. Mm. Any mission is going to take a lot of energy. That's the first thing. And the second thing is, is to, you, you like to say, keep it real, Charlie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'd say be concrete. Uh, in your congregation, don't ask your church to have a mission that's unrealistic. The mission is right where you are. I think that's what all the missional leaders are saying. The mission is right where you are. Or it goes back to that old statement, uh, you know, think globally and act locally. You have to do both and. We need to be concerned about global climate change. We need to be concerned about hunger in Haiti. But also, in the hometown we live in, there's mission. Over at our little church, uh, Disciples United Community Church, in Lancaster, a number of our members use the language, we are our mission. And our mission, at least in part at Disciples United Church, is to be a place of hospitality and welcome for spiritual orphans, for seekers, for people who haven't been welcome in other churches. And by modeling hospitality in our worship and all that we do, we already are doing mission. Hmm. You know, what a wonderful wonderful model. Mm -hmm. You're welcome here. You know, we struggle with it like every other church, but it's always there right in front of us. Uh, What will the visitor, how will the visitor see this service? How will they understand this language? Was a... Were they welcome today, even to the point of knowing where the restrooms are? Were they led through a service? We have a fairly innovative service, so we prompt people at times. And it's important that people don't be left out. You know, wherever you are on the journey, you're welcome. And a lot of people feel unwelcome at church, as you know, Charlie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and we like to like to say that radical hospitality is our mission. It might be different in other churches. You might be in the middle of a changing neighborhood, and your concrete mission is how do people have access to a few square meals a day or a place to Mm. sleep Mm -hmm. or after school if you're a child or uh, accessible health care. That might be the mission in a community. It might in a farming community... uh, be dealing with the, the issues of, of farm families, or if you're in a, a community and say where the it's clear that the demographics are against you because nobody is staying in town, how do you your mission might have to do with the malaise of hopelessness in some of our small towns that at least demographically are losing population. Mm. Mm. Be concrete. Be where you are, mm. and, and don't don't worry about and make the first step one that people can. 
make the first step something that people can can really see and say, I can do that. Mm-hmm. I can do that. That's you know, this is something we can do. And so I think you start again with the mustard seed of a small step that is the the first step of a great adventure. Mm. Now how do you um how do you work with your church to 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 create this radical hospitality? I mean, is it simply uh, from the pulpit, or do you work in teams, or do you do you sort of evaluate how do we do today in terms of our welcoming and hospitality, and you know, so how do you how do you ramp up that? It's a combination of all of the above, and okay. you know, and in many ways, our leadership team, which is our word for for church board, uh, keeps asking the question, you know, are we welcoming to the stranger? Where are we missing things? Uh, uh, let me give you an odd and humorous uh, aspect of our church life. Uh, we're a very unusual church for central Pennsylvania uh, in, the, in this regard. Um, our politics are very liberal. Mm-hmm. And so I don't, we have one Republican family in the church. <laughs> okay. And that's unusual for central Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And we have to ask ourselves, Kate and I especially, as the pulpiteers in the church, do we say things that marginalize them and their viewpoints? Hmm. Does our prayers of inter- do our prayers of intercession done by the community or remarks about the need for social action deny that there might be some important truths that our Republican and more conservative members are bringing to the table? So we have the opposite issue of being progressive people uh, holding on too tightly to our beliefs. Mm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So what, um, let's see, could you, I think you maybe answered this question, but let me just test it here. The, um, the one or two things that you could urge um, worship leaders, uh, pastors, elders um, to do to take to, from this conversation to make it real, um, maybe I should paraphrase what you said. You, you were opening our eyes to um, the local context, um, the neighborhoods where they exist, uh, open their eyes to what are the needs and how, how can you, um, you know, fill a gap or fill a need. Yes. Yes. Well, I think one thing is simply to keep your ears open and your eyes open. Uh, I think of a local pastor in Lancaster, not in our church, but another congregation, who heard that some immigrants were coming in, some refugees, and they had no place to go, and they needed to be settled somewhere tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And this local pastor contacted the chair of the board and said, what shall we do about this? I think we should do something. Mm. And from something very small and immediate, uh, this church now has classes on its premises uh, for uh, refugees uh, from, that are settling here in Lancaster. Uh, our own church has taken the burden of refugee assistance upon it. Uh, we're a small church, uh, but we sponsored a refugee family of 10 people and mm. helped mm-hmm. them at least we shared with another congregation I think, with this duty, but we helped them find homes, jobs, uh, really supported them, uh, 
till they are now on their feet. All the male members of the family have jobs, and the family is now uh, mm. doing quite well. Um, mm-hmm. For us, it might be uh, the concern for hate speech that uh, uh, often emerges when we hear brothers and sisters being maligned because of their ethnicity or uh, race or religion or sexual identity. You know, mm-hmm. how do we creatively respond to that in a way that's healing? Mm. Uh, sometimes it comes right to you when you read the newspaper in the morning and the pastor has to say, you know, am I going to pay attention to what's in the paper? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whether it be uh, Carlisle or Lancaster or York or Westchester, or I'm going to act as if this world doesn't exist. Mm. Mm-hmm. And connect connect it to spirituality, because mm. in in my mind, uh, our churches are probably in need of of that whole integrative uh, theology of heart and mind and hands. We need to take theology seriously and uh, and really ponder what we believe and what impact it makes because we believe this. Mm. Uh, we need to take spirituality seriously in order to give us the energy for the long journey. Mm-hmm. And we need to use our hands every so often. Uh, not only write checks, but, you know, show up at the soup kitchen. Uh, mm-hmm. show, call the congressperson. Uh, show up uh, at the city council meeting. Uh, share the good news. Meet somewhere you haven't met before. Hmm. Uh, you know, have a Bible study in a, in, in a coffee house. Mm-hmm. Or meet with people in a third place rather than just at your study if you're a pastor. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Excellent. I mean, I do a lot of my own uh, spiritual direction and theological conversations either at uh, a couple little coffee shops in Lancaster or across the street from the seminary in the Adirondack chairs when the weather permits. Uh, I said, let's go over there because it equalizes the pastor or the professor Mm -hmm. and the seeker. Mm. If it's in your spot you already have a power dynamic that's very strong. What would happen if you moved to a third place mm-hmm. and where, mm. where everybody's on equal footing and there's no power dynamic or, or less power dynamic between those who know and those who don't, those who are in and those who are out? Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, great advice. You, you're, you're, um, yeah, you're putting arms and legs and, uh, and, and on this and making it concrete, giving us the listeners something to um to do um in in any in, in wrapping this up is there any um how would one follow up this conversation for either more resources ideas websites authors um, oh there's so many out there and let me just name a few um certainly in my own hometown i'd commend uh, uh lancaster theological seminary uh, i have a bias toward it obviously Mm-hmm. But in our summer academy, we've tried to create uh, programs that have a theological orientation and a practical application. And in recent years, we've created a, an emerging and missional church track in the, southern, southern, in the summer academy at the seminary. Um, and that's been a big deal. Uh, we, are having, mm-hmm. we had Johnny Baker out there last year for the summer academy. We'll have Doug Padgett this year for the summer academy. And he's from Solomon's Ports in Minneapolis and one of the leaders in the whole emerging missional field. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, again, you can just check the Lancaster Seminary website, uh, www.lancasterseminary.org, no, .edu, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'd say people like uh, Brian McLaren, I think his new book, A New Kind of Christianity, is well worth the read. Uh, I think you need, might want to go back and read uh, what now are classics, even though they're less than a decade old, uh, uh, Christianity for the Rest of Us uh, by Dana Butler Bass, uh, the Practicing Our Faith books and others like that by uh, Dorothy Bass and Craig Dykstra. Uh, I'd say um, Carol Merritt's, Carol Howard Merritt's Tribal Church. Um, I would, um, you know, suggest Philip Clayton's Transforming Christian Theology and the the whole transforming theology uh, program. You can I don't know the address, but you can just look it up online. I'd say some of my own books, uh, The Holy Adventure, Forty One Days of Audacious Living, and maybe for pastoral spirituality, tending to the holy, the practice of the presence of God in in ministry. And one one part of that book involves what I call prophetic hospitality, mm. that you can be a prophet and push your church toward new new possibilities, and yet remain in conversation. Mm. How to be, how to push folks ahead in their transformation, but live with them and accept them right where they are and accept the diversity of opinions in your church. Uh, so those are things that speak to me. Mm. Well, outstanding. This has been a, a rich time, Bruce, and um, I know that you've... Um, you're helping uh, make this real, uh, and th- there's a, a number of listeners that are um, that are gaining um, knowledge and energy and, and and a greater understanding and a passion for um, for going into the world, worshiping and serving, and uh, for the sake of the world. So um, so thank you for your time today and for your ministry and the passion you have for serving Jesus Christ. Um, with that, I'll uh, I'll say I'll say goodbye and, and go um, in peace. And go in peace. God bless you. God bless you. Bye. Bye bye.